0: Welcome to this week's episode of Latchkey Movies, the podcast where we take a critical look at the movies your kids are watching without your supervision. Today we're going to talk about the 1989 film, All Dogs Go to Heaven. My name is Sarah. I'm the mom of a five-year-old boy.
1: And I am Briar Harvey, and I am the mom of an 18-year-old girl. A nine-year-old boy now, and a three-year-old boy now. They have had birthdays by the time this will be live. I'm still outnumbered and overwhelmed. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine.
0: (laughs) So I feel like we should, um, in full disclosure, let everybody know that today was a day we were going to record two podcasts. And we actually... We, we sort of
1: recorded... Well, we thought we recorded it. We, we pretended to an record entire, it. We
0: an entire episode and then realized that we were both muted. So <laughs> that episode is gone. It's gone. Into the nether. Yeah. Never to return. And I probably will lose my voice on this episode. If you're wondering why I sound so scratchy. It's because we already <coughs> talked for an hour and a half. And it's gone. It's just gone. Just gone. Just gone. All podcasts go to heaven.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, the timing of it is, I guess, appropriate.
0: All right. So this is a movie that has a 44% on Rotten Tomatoes.
1: Which, like, doesn't surprise me. Mm -hmm. So I had posted on Facebook when I was watching this film that... We were getting ready to watch it, and that I was anxious about it, because I remembered this movie fondly mm-hmm. from my childhood. And so far, when we have gone back and watched movies that I remember fondly from my childhood, I realize they're kind of shitty. This movie was no exception. Like... Yeah. I finished it, and I went, oh, well, my parents should not have let me watch this movie, and that clearly is why I am so well-adjusted now.
0: Right, right. So, this movie feels nostalgic when I watch it because of Uh the animation style, right? Uh But that's about the biggest positive I
1: have for it. The content, (laughs) on the other hand, holy shit. And I'd forgotten, is the thing. Like... When I remember this movie, I remember how magical Charlie felt to me. Yep. I remember imagining being Anne-Marie and how mm-hmm. horrible that would have been as an experience. So, it's an object lesson for me, I feel like, in empathy as a small child. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I got from this movie. Yeah. It's not the way I want to teach my children empathy. Sure. Okay. (laughs) So, we'll get into the cast first. Um, Thankfully, we don't have to do too much here. We'll start, obviously, Charlie, the German Shepherd, is Burt Reynolds. And Burt Reynolds is... What is there to say about Burt Reynolds?
0: That's a great question. What is there to say about Burt? I Reynolds? mean, um, is he alive still?
1: No. He died.
0: He, okay. he, he has passed. So I was watching this movie, and my husband was like in the other room, but was like, you he could hear it, right? Mm-hmm. And he was like, Oh, who is that doing that voice? And he was talking about the guy that did Killer. Mm-hmm. And I said, Oh, um,. I don't really remember who he is, but they're basically all like old guys who were in like mafia movies, and now mm-hmm. they're, all mm-hmm. they're all dead.
1: They're all dead. They're all
0: dead. So uh, when they, is
1: but Don like, Deluise dead. I, I believe I think so. He may be the only one. <laughs> no. Oh I think no! Two thousand and nine. He's dead too. They're, they're all, all
0: dead. dead. <laughs> they're all dead. And it, it's so weird to me that they, like, so this movie is 1989, so it's, like... Oh, what? Lonnie
1: Anderson is still alive! Lonnie Anderson. <laughs> Lonnie Anderson is still alive.
0: And she was married to Burt Reynolds yes. at this time. Yes. At this time,
1: they were <laughs> married.
0: So it's a 1989 film, so what, it's, like, 30 years old? Mm-hmm. 90? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 30?
1: 80, yes, I will be 40 this year, so it is... I, I I will probably be 40 by the time this goes live. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, so, Burt Reynolds' most famous film is most likely Deliverance. I, I don't... Oh, no,
0: re- Smokey and the Bandit.
1: <sighs> we can, I guess, argue about that a different day.
0: Wasn't he in Dodgeball, too?
1: Um... God, I don't know if that's the what film was, I want to be recognized. What most famous,
0: like, recent movie?
1: Um,
0: for well, the youngins. Boogie Nights. Okay, Boogie Nights. Yeah.
1: Um, Cannonball Run is still not recent. Oh, yeah, Cannonball recent. Run. So, the problem with Burt Reynolds is that he was honestly a pretty talented actor. He was also a pretty talented womanizer. And not in the early Hollywood, I mean, we're sitting right on top of the uh, conviction of our favorite Hollywood producer right now. That just happened this week that creepy old fuckhead was convicted of rape. So, Weinstein, for those of you who aren't catching that reference, um, so he was not a creep in the Weinstein sort of way. He was a creep in the actual cheating on women. I I, I mean, I'm assuming most of his partners were consensual. They were just... All over the place. They were hotel waitresses, they were fans, they were everywhere. And so Bert got a bit of a reputation as a womanizer, and it really hurt his career because nobody wanted to work with him.
0: Oh, okay. I really thought that he had, like, one of those movies within, like, the last ten years where he, like, played a bit part and was, like, a big deal. But I guess that didn't happen because I'm looking and I'm not seeing anything like that.
1: You're probably not gonna. I mean, he he did make a terrible... Terrible decision in 1983, which you know, you want to talk about a timeline here. In 1983, he decided not to do terms of endearment. That role went to Jack Nicholson instead, and that was pretty significant for Jack's career. Um, but overall, no, Burt has been in. He, he did. So, interestingly, he went back to TV. In the eighties and nineties. Now, at the time, we, we really, this was a decline in your acting career. Right. To it, go from like the something... silver screen mm-hmm. to the small screen. And that's what we called it at that point in time. It was a decline. You were not, if you made it to the bigs to film, you, you did not go back to TV.
0: Very um, different these days.
1: It, oh, yeah. These days, TV, hell, sometimes pays more. Right. Like...
0: And just, we've got, like, a whole different level of, uh, like, quality. Right. There's so much more quality on TV these days Mm -hmm. than there ever used to be.
1: But in those days, going back to Evening Shade, as he did in the late 80s, was, oh yeah, quite the come down for the illustrious Burt Reynolds. And that was kind of the nature of his career. So, that's Bert. Now, this cast here, I, I mean, they all knew each other in some way, or they'd all worked together in feel other like Hollywood pictures.
0: Hollywood was smaller back then, too.
1: I, it, it, it really, it was. So, Bert Reynolds' best friend at the time, and until he died, was Dom DeLuise. And Dom played the dachshund Itchy. He also, they both reply, reprised these roles for All Dogs Go to Heaven 2 and All Dogs Christmas Carol, which I vaguely remember as being like events of the time, right? Really? When, I do not
0: remember
1: that. Maybe not, but. So <clears throat> we are doing a Don Bluth deep dive. We're going to actually record that one when we get to it. <laughs> So we're not going to talk too much about him or his influence in this film or in these movies. What I will say at this point in time before we go much further into the remaining cast is that this was a bit of an old boys club and they were making movies together and they were making animated movies together too. This movie and... Um, an American Tale, mm-hmm. upon reflection, are not really kids'
0: movies. Mm-hmm. My son liked American Tale. This mm-hmm. one, he like came in a few times while I was watching it and didn't want anything to do with it. And, and I'm, mine didn't...
1: I've watched twice this week. They both ignored it. The first time, which I was profoundly grateful for, honestly. And the second time when I watched last night and took notes, I I really, I was like, my God, thank God I watched this after bedtime because it's a terrible film. Mm -hmm. So um, to get back to um, Killer, that would be Charles Nelson Riley. And he was best, you're right, in terms of the old school, like, Mafia and mm-hmm. Gunsmoke. And y'all might know Charles Nelson Riley from game shows. Uh, match game he was on, To Tell the Truth. He was on, if you ever go back and watch any of the old game shows from, like, the 70s and 80s, which are still aired on Game Show Network, you will know who Charles Nelson Reilly is.
0: They were, like, all in Cannonball
1: Run. Yeah, they were all in Cannonball Run. Okay. Um, so Lonnie Anderson um, played the the Border Collie. Uh, the they one were... with the orphans. Right, the one with the orphans. Um, They were married at that time. Lonnie Anderson, I don't know, the only really good reference for her is WKRP in Cincinnati. And... I suspect most of our audience is probably just a little too young for that yeah. one. I watched it as a kid in syndication <laughs> yep. and fucking loved that right. show. Still remember that show fondly. And I actually went looking for it the other night because I was like, I wonder if that one's aged well. Probably it hasn't.
0: <laughs> well, and that's like, okay, so the guy who played Carface, Vic mm-hmm. back. He he was Mel in the show Alice, which right. I I remember vividly, but like mm-hmm. I don't think other people remember. No. Uh-uh.
1: So many of these. So, um King or the American Alligator was played by Ken Page and we sort of just talked about him, but not really. No,
0: I know. He He also voices Oogie Boogie in The Nightmare Nightmare Before Before Christmas.
1: Christmas. (laughs) Okay. Um, He was also in the, I want to say, he's a stage actor from Cats, and he did Old Deuteronomy in the... Uh. Film production from the late '80s, which I'm still gonna argue.
0: Was it a, an actual film production, or yes, was it, it like a recording of the stage performance?
1: Um, it's a recording of the stage yeah. production.
0: Okay, <laughs> which is what it's they're doing. It's still
1: fucking cameras. better than whatever <laughs> this bullshit is that I haven't seen yet.
0: Right. Right. I and yeah. Okay.
1: Um, let's see, so that is, yeah, those are all of the people we really need to talk about in terms of the extra cast. So, we get to get to a fun one here. Fuck, guys, I really hate having to do this shit. So, Judith Barcy was the voice of Anne-Marie. She was also the voice of, um... Ducky. Yeah, Ducky, in... The Land Before Time. The Land Before Time. She, let's see, I'm looking here, Punky Brewster. I don't know if anyone remembers that show. Of course. She had a couple of episodes there. Yeah. She was in Jaws, The Revenge. She was also on a couple of episodes of The Tracy Ullman Show. This girl was everywhere.
0: Yeah, and- like, if you look, like, so her acting <clears throat> career... Goes from 1984
1: to 1989, and she has some pretty
0: impressive credits, I have to say. Like 25 credits? Mm hmm. And, and she was in- basically on every show that had guest stars. Mm hmm. In that time, Knott's Landing, The Twilight Zone, yeah. Remington Steel, Punky Brewster, Cheers, Cagney and Lacey, Cagney The and love Lacey. Boat, I mean, like St. Elsewhere, Growing Pains. If you know of a show in that period, she was probably on it.
1: So, and again, we always reach this place. I don't know, I don't know how to tell these stories. In 1989, um, Oh, I'm sorry, 88. On July 28th, 1988, uh, Judith and her mother were burned to death in an apparent murder suicide committed by her father, Joseph. So um, it's believed they were dead before he set them on fire, but there's still no actual certainty on that one. And then he went into the garage and shot himself and they were all found after um, fire and rescue was called. Now, this case was pretty significant at the time and arguably has been, been significant since in terms of what we do in domestic violence cases
0: right because there had been a history
1: there was a history a pretty significant one there he was originally arrested three times in 1986 for driving under the influence uh maria Uh, Judith's mother, had reported him for threats and physical violence. Um, In those days, when she decided not to press charges, charges were dropped. Mm -hmm. So he apparently stopped drinking at that point in time, but the physical violence continued. He apparently threatened suicide on a regular basis. When we're talking about domestic violence and the patterns of behavior that go along with it, one of the things that is noteworthy is that women often don't leave because their partners threaten suicide. So they'll say, if you leave me, I'm going to kill myself. And so they don't leave. And they don't leave in 1988 Judith reported to a friend that her father regularly threw things at her that was reported to child protective services and an investigation was done but it was dropped because Maria had told the caseworker that she was beginning divorce proceedings in the today CPS would not take the mother at her word here. There would have likely been some form of removal. There was, I guess, clear physical evidence of abuse. Mm -hmm. There were a number of people involved um, in terms of her life in... uh, Actors, producers, People directors. People knew it was happening. People knew this was going on. They were aware. They were trying to stop it. And nothing happened. So this story then became a bit of a catalyst in the late 80s, early 90s, for how we began to address intimate partner violence. Mm-hmm. And I don't... I I, I don't know what to add there, except that this film was likely impacted by her death and by the circumstances surrounding her death. Uh So, because it was released posthumously. Uh so
0: Were both this and A Land Before Time? Yes, they were both released posthumously.
1: Because we're talking about animation. And in those days, right. we recorded the voices well before we were finished running sc- scenes mm-hmm. so that we could animate the voices properly into the film. And so, yeah, likely um, these were recorded at l- likely a year, maybe even as much as two years before her death because of the time it takes to, or at the time it took to release an animated film in post-production. Which tells me then, (laughs) The Land of Time is not as questionable. With this movie in particular, I suspect that because of her death, it was given a lot of leeway in terms of story that it mm-hmm. would not have been granted otherwise.
0: <laughs> you think it would have had a harsher reception?
1: I do. <laughs> In the sense that, I mean, w- we've already talked about the the Rotten Tomatoes score, it, it, but at the time, this movie did relatively well, and I don't think that it would have with, say, the Tipper Gore crowd if she had not been dead. Mm-hmm. Because this movie features just an insane amount of violence. Mm-hmm. There's smoking. There's drinking. They there's... use the word bimbo. They use the word what? Bimbo. Bimbo. Oh, my God. When he's he
0: reading her, the story, mm-hmm. when he's reading her Robin Hood out of mm-hmm. the book, he uses the word bimbo. <laughs> the, the, Could you just... imagine that in a cartoon movie today? Today? <laughs>
1: i mean none of this would have i mean the gambling alone like we use anne marie to talk to the horses to get money i i I can't i can't fathom right Mm -hmm. i simply cannot fathom so that's why i think her story is obviously relevant to the movie, but in this particular way, I think it's relevant to the fact that it has survived the way it has mm-hmm. because it was, they overlooked bad behavior because of the bad behavior that mm-hmm. had recently taken place. That That's what I have for you in terms of the relative relationship there.
0: So this movie came out in 89. What mm-hmm. were its contemporaries that year?
1: That's a great question.
0: Because I believe this is where around Little Mermaid territory. Mm-hmm. So, Indiana Jones and the Lost Crusade. It looks like, yeah, that was the same year that Little Mermaid. Little Mermaid came out. That
1: was the year of Field of Dreams, The Abyss, When Harry Met Sally, Back to the Future 2, Ghostbusters 2. Oh, this is really
0: interesting. So if you've seen the pixar shorts
1: uh-huh
0: just to give you like an idea of the timeline of animation right there's a, a pixar short called Knack. it's the one about the um it's one snowman. of my favorites the snow globe. snow globe yeah that was also made in 1989
1: Okay, now that's fascinating because Knick Knack, while one of my favorites, would not cut mustard these days. The girl, uh, all of the girls, they all have gigantic boobs. I mean,
0: little teeny tiny wits, big gigantic boobs. Yeah, but I'm also pretty sure that like stuff like Knick Knack wasn't really created to be like commercially. No, probably it was more not. Like, uh, uh, working on technology kind of thing. No, right? uh,
1: except that again We're drawing really fuzzy lines here because Nick knack um, the music is done by Bobby McFerrin yeah. So if you're not if you're not hearing that song in your head as we are talking about it You need to go watch it because it is the catchiest little tune like all of my kids love that short because of the music yeah
0: Yeah, so I just think it's interesting that this was released the same year as Little Mermaid, which was groundbreaking for Disney. Mm -hmm. It was, like, what ushered in the Renaissance. So, to have to compete against that...
1: (gasps) The Wiz! Look Who's Talking, Harlem Nights. But what I'm really saying here is I'm looking at all of these... Oh, and Kiki's Delivery Service was the other big animated...
0: But was, I mean, it's big in like people who watch ghibli films these days was it big at the time um at, in america no i am going to pro-
1: probably that. not <laughs> probably not but it was well and it probably i wonder if it even came out here oh yeah. no that was it, the 1988 the nine US version USA. was released here with Kirsten Dunn's Phil Hartman oh there's another fun story Janine Garofalo yeah yeah okay and that one's expensive as hell to rent. It's 12 bucks on YouTube. Um for our non-North American and Japanese listeners, we have a few of them. I will tell you that uh Netflix is now carrying all of Studio Ghibli for you. The rest of us are <laughs> fucked. But if you're in <laughs> If you're in Europe, you can watch you're Studio Ghibli on Netflix now. <clears throat> okay. But what I'm what I'm seeing here in terms of these movies is that they were all kind of questionable. I mean, like Harlem Nights is a fantastic, but some of these things, they we would never make them now. Right. We would literally never make these movies now. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, Major League, Uncle Buck. I mean, that was the time period. That was the time period.
0: It was a good year for Tom Hanks, Turner and Hooch, The Burbs. Oh, I love The Burbs. It's like one of my favorite movies. I, but again,
1: I'm looking at these and going, none of these movies. <laughs> none of them. Maybe Glory. But, yeah. It was, it was a good year for film. It just... They snuck this one on through because we were... <laughs> Okay, I I can't anymore. We'll just get to the story. So, in 1939 New Orleans, which is, I guess, how we get around the fact that we're talking about gambling and drugs and (laughs) running liquor, because... It's a 1939 speakeasy. I mean, and it's that's what dogs. We're, and it's dogs. So it's fine. So, Charlie and Itchy escape from the pound where they are shot at with like what appears to be a, right. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> so they return to their I guess dilapidated riverboat on The bayou, why it's still floating, who knows? None of these (laughs) things matter in any way. Charlie is talking with his partner in Bunny Rabbit Ears, Carface, the pit bull. And Carface has, we're given to understand, although not well, which is again why I say this is not a kid's movie. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of subtext Mm -hmm. here. That I picked up on this time watching it. But it's obvious that Carface framed Charlie in the right. first place to send him to the pound. And now that he is out, he has to pursue some other solution to getting mm-hmm. Charlie out of the business. Right. He doesn't want a partner anymore. He doesn't want a partner anymore. He wants to... Be the Mafia Don all by himself. And they've done that fairly well, right? mm mm-hmm. so, so Carface decides to run him over with a car. <laughs> sure. Because that's perfectly appropriate. Like, that's what dogs do to each other. They run each other over with cars. It's fine. And Charlie predictably dies. Within the first five minutes of the movie...
0: Uh, I think it's a little further in than that. Okay. Because that breakout scene is long.
1: Oh, you're right. It's the first 15 minutes of the movie. <laughs> and then Charlie goes to heaven, which is...
0: All dogs go to heaven,
1: Charlie. All dogs go to heaven. The first time, I guess. Yes. Not not the second time. They 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 all get to go the first time. So we get the little tour of heaven, which is all kinds of, like... I'm trying to remember, and I don't, obviously, but I'm trying to remember how my nine-year-old brain processed this version
0: of (laughs) heaven and hell. Mm -hmm.
1: And I remember the hell parts being pretty fucking scary.
0: Well, they are pretty scary.
1: Because they are scary.
0: Yeah. (sighs) I'm trying to remember
1: if this is how I internalized heaven, and honestly, I think that it is.
0: I mean, I think this was a pretty common uh, depiction of heaven in cartoons at the time. The clouds. But the fluffy clouds. Right. Angels with Angels halos. with
1: wings and halos. All dogs go to heaven. And we have clocks there, obviously, where, I, 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 I don't know. But, but I feel like, yes, this was very much how my brain, through yeah. the years then, pictured heaven was Definitely.
0: this. Mm-hmm. Which I, I'm not sure what to do with. Fluffing, like floating on a fluffy cloud that you could look over and see earth.
1: Right. <laughs> right. It's all...
0: A fluffy okay. cloud you could fall off of.
1: Right. And... Interact then I I don't know The rules are weird and inconsistent Here And We won't talk I don't think too much But we should say This movie even at the time Was considered highly Derivative So some of the movies That it is thought To um, Be Derivative from are things like "It's a Wonderful Life,"
0: yeah,
1: uh, "Little Miss Marker," which means nothing to me. Me neither. Um, and a guy named Joe, which don't know anything about that one, <laughs> also means nothing to me. But that the title came from a book read to Don Bluth's fourth grade class. All right. And this is, I, I, I mean, I don't want to call this movie self-masturbatory, uh-huh. <laughs> but maybe I do a little bit. I don't know. Like, i, I it's, I don't know. It's, it's very derivative. It takes from a lot of places. I'm not sure what we're really getting here. Mm-hmm. We get to Charlie stealing his clock and the Whippet dog telling him that he can never come back, which, I don't know. I I think I internalized that part too in some way. Like if you're bad, and, and here again, as an adult, I'm watching this going, why? do all dogs get to go to heaven? Because there's literally nothing redeeming about Charlie as a dog. Mm -hmm. And it's in his record keeping, too. Like, as she's reading out the book, entry, gambling,
0: (laughs) selling. I think, like, all dogs dogs go to heaven is, like the whole it's the good boy aesthetic of dogs right right right. (laughs) but charlie's not
1: charlie's not a good boy with or without the e he is not a good boy (laughs) and so so he goes back to exact his revenge like this is this is a revenge tale if we want (laughs) to peel back the wrappings on mm-hmm. it. This is revenge is a dish best served cold. Right. And he goes to kill I mean, and that's very clearly stated. He is here to kill
0: Carface. Carface. So he starts then. So I feel like um this trope of the character that charlie is is like the male equivalent to the like hooker with a heart of gold right ha! so like Which makes it like ironic the, then
1: that it's burt reynolds doing the voice
0: huh the bad guy the, like the the redeemable the redeemable
1: heel rank. yes <laughs> we're, we're,
0: we're, same word just different slightly yeah. connotations but yes and, and these are, like, tropes you don't see as much anymore, right, no, would you say? I,
1: I would generally, I would argue in part it's because women are no longer willing to deal with this as a trope, because we don't actually find these men redeemable.
0: <laughs> like, So and- it's just not, it's like a true. like, it's a thing that you probably saw a lot of in the 80s. Mm-hmm. They feel like we don't see now
1: as much. I suspect if I go back through that list, I yeah. could we could name off a bunch of mm-hmm. these exact guys in mm-hmm. 1989. And it's interesting too, as I am as I was watching through, even at the end when he saves Anne Marie, I am struck by how he's still thinking of himself. First, Mm -hmm. Like, he still gets the clock to the box first. Mm -hmm. He goes and then rescues Anne-Marie, and then the clock falls, but he tries to go back for it. And then only when he realizes that he cannot save both does he finally, finally Mm -hmm. make the decision to save Anne-Marie. Right. And I'm like, so this is, this is the best we get. Mm -hmm. This is our good dog here. (coughs) It's not, it's not that great is the problem is that at every turn we are presented with the redeemable guy, but he's not trying redeem himself yeah the things that he does continually throughout the movie are only to manipulate Anne marie Mm -hmm. and and it's not out of a sense of being good it Mm -hmm. is clearly to manipulate her right it's when he buys her dresses after she asks right it's when he takes the pizzas to the puppies.
0: Right. After she asks. After. Anne
1: <laughs> has changed back into her rowdy dress. Because mm-hmm. I was trying to find the through line for that mm-hmm. after we'd bought her the clothes. Again, this is subtext that you are, I, I guess, as the adult, clearly supposed to pick up on. Which makes it not a kid's movie. Mm-hmm. But she has changed back into her old rowdy dress. And mm-hmm. she is leaving. Mm -hmm. She doesn't want anything to do with Charlie. She doesn't want anything to do with this scheme. She's done. (laughs) Right. Only then does he bribe her back with Mm -hmm. food for orphans. So there's all of these little tales. But before we get into
0: even any of this, should we talk about the fucking gator? Because you and I Um, both... I am... Is that a, 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 offensive? It's offensive, right? I, I think is so. Is it like racially offensive, or I, is it like? I can't. Sexual identity offensive. I don't know. Is it both? It,
1: maybe so. Like, is he a drag queen? Is that the conclusion? I got that the we impression
0: are... from that when he was putting the hat on, and that felt very like. I don't, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I
1: don't know. I mean, I watched it twice, and, and the second time was after your initial note about him, mm-hmm. and I'm still... And and there are other people who have complained about mm-hmm. the crocodile at length. There is a critic that continues to use this as a reference, because nothing ever really comes of King Croc, except for or <laughs> King Gator...
0: Oh, right, there's the critic who uses the King Gator as, like, uh, there's the right. scene in this movie that doesn't need th- to be th- doesn't
1: here. make sense, or doesn't... Yeah. I, I mean, yes, King Gator comes back to wreck the boat mm-hmm. w- while they're being held hostage. Uh, but the line with King Gator initially, mm-hmm. where we've got the song and dance and the hat, there is there is no reason for that scene except to drop in a musical number. Right. It, it, is it equivalent to the crab in in Moana? Tomatoa? Like, Tomatoa. Yeah. Is it equivalent to Tomatoa in Moana? Because we never see him again either.
0: True. Yeah.
1: Now, we do have to go and rescue the hook from Tomatoa. Right. So at least there's an underlining reason of why we are there sure but it's the I same guess song this and movie, dance
0: it kind of like it's another it's like <laughs> Anne marie keeps getting wet for a series of scenes in this uh-huh. movie which leads to her getting pneumonia sick right so it's one of those scenes uh, uh, maybe because it's the first time you see her like shivering on a rock
1: okay okay that <laughs> one's fair but again I would not have picked those as a kid, up but no, no. as a kid at all. <laughs> I mean like it took me till this time to go, oh, she's actually sick. Yeah. She could die here. Mm-hmm. Not I I mean, like as a kid, she's coughing, she has a cold. That's right. that's all I ever really put together yeah. there. So, it's a tough through line, and it's a difficult one to understand. I mean, in terms of importance, in terms. I I, I don't know. This whole movie, guys, I I really. I'm glad we reviewed it, but don't let your kids watch it, is really what I'm about to tell you here. Don't let your
0: kids watch this one. So. I remember really liking this movie as a kid.
1: I, I do, too. I, I I really... I loved this movie as a kid. And this movie... And I'm trying to remember what it was that I loved.
0: Right. And I can't. I think... So, if I had to think about it, did this come out before or after um, The Little Mermaid? But... I would say up until 1989, we didn't have good animation coming out regularly. No. Right? No. Because with the start of the Disney Renaissance, before right. that, you had a lot of, like, third-rate animation.
1: <laughs> right. So that
0: maybe that's it?
1: Now, okay, so Little Mermaid was November 13th. All Dogs Go to Heaven was July. Okay. And, okay. So that would be... Oh, wait, 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 no. Um, no, it was November... Okay, okay. For the holidays, probably. Yeah, they released it in November in the United States. It came out February 8th in the UK and April 6th in Ireland. Because at that point in time, Don Blue Studio was fully over in Ireland.
0: Yeah. So I I guess the reason, if I had to come up with a reason for why I liked this movie as a kid, it was probably just because there weren't as many options for animated movies Mm -hmm. at this point, Mm -hmm. right? So, like, if my mom wanted to, if my mom wanted to take me to the movies, it was this, or one of those weird, questionable live-action movies that, like, we look back on now and we're like, why did our parents let us watch that movie? Oh yeah, this is just like the animated equivalent to that, I guess. Right. Right.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, and I'm looking at the poster here from the director of An American Tale and The Land Before Time, and The Land Before Time was okay, mm-hmm. and and I've seen it since as an adult, mm-hmm. and while some of those storylines are questionable, there is a, a, a relatively, it's okay. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not... It's not something that I watch and go, no, my kids can't see this movie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The same is true for An American Tale. There's Mm -hmm. some objectionable stuff in that, but relatively... (laughs) I'd say it's overall an okay story. And even though it deals with things that I would identify as adult-type themes... Mm -hmm. The abandonment, you know, having to find your family Mm -hmm. in an American tale. Well, actually, that's true in both, right? So, but they were stories that at the end you felt okay with. There Mm -hmm. was a sense of completion. Here, we have that same sense of completion, I guess. Anne-Marie gets her family. Charlie goes back to heaven. Right, right. But
0: the steps there.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. So do you think that maybe this and our problems that we're having here with this movie and the problems that we have with those other movies is what made the um, market so ripe for Disney to hit with such a success in The Little Mermaid?
1: Yeah, actually I do. Because even, I mean, and, and we haven't done The Little Mermaid yet. Mm-hmm. When we do, I'm sure we're going to find lots of little things to bitch at because that's the golden age but it's of not erect like... ministers right. and boob bubbles. But, but it's
0: not going to be like they're not going to use the word bimbo. no. <laughs> right. No, right. no. Now,
1: if we want to talk about the actual mythology of the story sure, of the Little Mermaid, that, all th-
0: that there's all
1: kinds of problems there. But that can't be. That I don't blame Disney for that because they're just using the original fairy tale. Right. This was an original story. Right. That was originally bad. Yeah. I, I, I mean, there's no other. There's no other spin on it, really.
0: So they also, they say in there that, um, it's traditional generally in American animation for, um, the voice actors to record independently. Like they typically Uh don't record together and Don Bluth allowed Burt Reynolds and Dom DeLuise to record together on this and they Uh ad-libbed a bunch. Uh So I'm thinking in my head that he totally ad-libbed that story of Robin Hood. And so that's where that, that line came in. Oh, probably.
1: It probably (laughs) was totally ad-libbed, and they probably just left it in, and yeah. You know, and I have to say, animation is interesting in that ad-libbing doesn't happen often, and you can, even here, feel where it works, Mm -hmm. right? Like, there are some interactions between Charlie and Itchy that are... Probably would not have been that way. Yeah. If they had recorded separately. Right. It's one of I'm trying to remember which one it was. It's a Disney film. Moira Kelly did the voice. And I'm trying to remember the like she met her co star on the red carpet. What the hell movie is that one? Was
0: it the one we just talked about?
1: It's one we just talked about. <laughs> Oh, it was the Lion King. She's Nala.
0: No. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah,
1: she's Nala. She had she had not once met with Matthew Broderick until on the red carpet. Until on the red carpet for that film. Hmm. So there you go. I feel like we probably did get some good lines out of. Mm-hmm. Bert and Dom because they were allowed to record together.
0: Right.
1: But that doesn't make the movie good. Yeah. It just it you know, and I man, and I'm really I'm I'm like, there's a part of me that's like, I hate coming back to these movies of nostalgia for us, right? Like, every, I'm always disappointed. I know. We, we have yet to do one that has held up to my memory of the <laughs> magic of this film. I agree. So... But on the other hand, like, it's valuable, because I absolutely would have let my kids watch this movie without even Mm -hmm. thinking about it. Yeah. If it had just come up on, like, and and I'd have said, sure, All Mm -hmm. Dogs Go to Heaven. I remember that. That was a great movie.
0: Right.
1: Now I'm watching it going, oh, this is not a good movie. Yes. I I mean, the ray gun alone, right? I, I mean... If for nothing else, we have these dogs shooting at each other with live fire.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we talked, I feel like we talked about this a little bit when we did The Incredibles. Mm -hmm. The level of violence in that one relative to animated movies at the time and even there, it doesn't quite hit the level of violence that that we're talking about here in right. terms of actual... I mean, because they shot at those dogs multiple times. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know that we ever heard anyone get hit or, you know, that wince that would come from it. Right. But still, uh, you know... Yeah.
0: And it's I will like- say. It's animated violence that is not caricature Right.
1: <coughs> right. It's the... It's not like
0: a pow and, you know, like uh, getting hit in the head with a mallet. Which The Incredibles actually, I mean, it does in its own way because
1: it's not... They're like fake lasers. Right? Mm-hmm. They're not real weapons that we, like, currently have or have and access. And they're
0: superheroes. To.
1: They're superheroes.
0: So they have a level of plot armor that...
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's a good way of putting it, actually. Plot armor.
0: I don't know. It, there's too much violence in this movie. There is a <laughs> lot of violence in this movie. I will
1: say... I did appropriately sob, like hard sob, both times when Charlie goes back. Yeah, you know, and oh, I'm such a sucker right. for this shit, and I know it's coming. Yeah, and you know, the older I get, the more I really get
0: angry when my man- when you're manipulated when I'm like manipulated that. in that way. Yeah.
1: And this one really did feel
0: manipulative. I didn't like when, um, when Anne Marie is back at the church because she's sick and Itchy and Charlie are talking and oh, Charlie's God. talking about how he's just going to dump her in the orphanage and she oh, overhears. Yeah. I don't like that.
1: <laughs> no, there's, there was really a lot that was, I was very uncomfortable with this.
0: I feel like Itchy redeemed himself. Yeah by getting her help with the, um, the stuffy. Right. And I thought it was interesting how at the very end it's killer that pushes her out of the water.
1: Right. Well, and killer, (laughs) as I recall, then does go on to be in the second one, which I haven't seen, but he was also in the show, I guess likely because they could get the actor to do Charles it. Riley was available I mean <laughs> yeah he was the second original voice actor and oh no he did not do the sequel but okay. he was in the series so that's that's that one there
0: you know um so the scene where Charlie has the dream about going to hell mm-hmm uh-huh. That's apparently – that was apparently cut because – well, not cu- It was edited mm-hmm. because it was way more It was more worse disturbing. before is what you're telling yeah. me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty bad. Yeah. It was bad as is. It, it was pretty bad that as dog is. dragon thing is terrifying. Oh, yeah. I feel like the scene at the end where um, – Charlie comes, and I think first of all, it's a little weird that Hell allows Charlie to come and visit Anne Marie, um, but also I like, think he just
1: hasn't been scooped up by uh, Hell yet. Okay. Consider I'm, it that 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 purgatory okay. transitory period. Yeah. Sure.
0: Um, I wanted more payoff in the battle between good and evil there. Mm-hmm. Because,
1: like, I feel Than like a sparkly blue light. Yeah. Which. Literally was cribbed, Like, straight up lifted from It's a Wonderful Life, right? <laughs> I, I mean, the sparkly blue light doesn't get any more lifted than that.
0: I guess, yeah, because you get the stars talking. Right. It's a Wonderful Life. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll give you that. I, I don't know.
1: I, I... This one was hard. This one was hard to go back to. This one was not... It was hard to watch twice. It was hard to watch twice. Uh, And on this side of it now, I'm like, I don't know that I'm ever going to do it again.
0: No. Probably not. I have no desire to delve into, like, sequels. I don't remember them from my childhood. No, I don't remember
1: the sequels, but I won't be watching them. And I don't Um, think I
0: will be watching this one again. Something that's interesting is that the Anne-Marie character is not even in the sequels.
1: Um, I believe that was a production decision yeah. at the time because like of Judas. Memori- yeah, right. In, in memoriam. Yeah, mm-hmm. which I find to be appropriate.
0: Yeah, and
1: to be fair, storyline wise, it does make her story sense is over. to write her out. She yeah. is kind of done. She's been adopted. She's taken mm-hmm. care of. They could have absolutely used her, given her ability to communicate with the animals, and likely would have if Judith hadn't died. Yeah, but
0: I like that she gets the happy
1: ending. Right, I do too. I like that she gets the happy ending and gets to keep the happy mm-hmm. ending. So, that's... Which is
0: so often in sequels, it's like they just forget. Right,
1: they, they negate it all. Mm-hmm.
0: It's like it never happened. So
1: right. she gets to keep her happy ending, which is more than we can say about the rest of us and this film right Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah uh yeah that's all i have did you have anything else you wanted to add on this one
0: (laughs) no i still don't i like i I don't know i i I like the angel whip it yes i remember her being like i remember her making an like uh, an impression on me as a kid as an angel
1: or I don't, I don't know. know. I just
0: thought she was cool. Like I wanted an angel with it. <laughs> 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 I'm uh, sure there were like tie-ins with like pizza hut or something, right? Probably. Cause Don Bluth seemed to have all the tie-ins with pizza hut.
1: So speaking of Don Bluth, he will be our next episode.
0: I'm really, I can't wait. Cause like, I, I'm
1: pretty excited. We've, we're, I don't know been anything at this. about that. No, I know and and I've just started really kind of doing the reading. Don was an interesting guy and his entrance into American animation is I think unique. So, yeah. I'm 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 looking forward to to being able to tell this particular story.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. And yeah, guys, I think that's all we have
1: for you. Um this time when I Tell you our phone number. It's gonna matter. This is this is the point at which we realized in our we previous recording. recording of Disney. I was getting ready to do our closing, and I didn't get to finish. <laughs> so so now I'm gonna finish. You can reach us at four zero two eight eight five. 4875 or latchkeymovies at gmail.com. On this one, I would actually really like to hear you know, we some other perspectives.
0: It. We never rated it.
1: Oh, we didn't rate this. Do I have to? <laughs> Fuck. I'm giving it a
0: zero. Oh, man.
1: I'm really. Uh, I think I'll give it one and a half. Why are you giving it one and a half? Because I remember it nostalgically. I'm giving, I, I'm, I'm giving it the one and a half that still live on in my memory. That's as, what you gave
0: as, Sleeping Beauty,
1: which is about you the feel same. Equal for you? Yeah. Okay. It, 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 because that one too was like, I hate this movie. But I remember it fondly, so clearly that is what my remember it fondly ranking is. I remember it fondly, so it's a one and a half star. It's a I'm, shit movie, but I remember it fondly, so it's a one and a half star.
0: I'm giving it a one, it's, I'm giving it a zero because I see nothing. Like, it's not a movie my kid's gonna like. It's not a movie I like. There's nothing about this that I find, like, worth it being around for. And we
1: are not Amazon, so it can be zero stars. Uh (laughs) We're not Amazon. We're not Goodreads. One of those, like, that has always pissed me off about five-star ratings. I should be able to give it zero stars. (laughs) I should be able to give it negative stars, damn it. All right, so on this one, we would actually like to hear from you if you have a different sense of this movie. Like, if you've watched it and gone, yeah, this was great. I'll, I'll happily show this one to my kids. Uh-huh. I would like to know what's wrong with you.
0: No, <laughs> well, there's nothing just wrong kidding. with you. <laughs> <laughs> we want them to actually call us, for uh, help. Fine, fine. No, I would
1: actually, like, I, I'm happy to entertain some other perspectives on this as to why this one is still worth a viewing. Um, so yeah, those, that's the number, that's the email address, we are on Facebook and Instagram, you can find us on Twitter, we're not there, but you can find us there, (laughs) and we will be back next time with more Don Bluth, so we're looking forward to that. Bye guys! Bye, talk to you later!